It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. Hope you're all doing well out there. It's a wild type of day. Cold, blustery, one minute the sun's shining, the next it's bucketing down and blowing a gale. You know the story. Typical March weather, isn't it? What else would you expect at this time of the year? There you have it. We just have to get on with it. Hope you're keeping okay and uh, doing well again today. Uh, we are going good. We're going good. I have to say that again. We are. And uh, look, the big news on the horizon, we're just waiting for confirmation of it, is uh, that the uh, European people will approve the Johnson & Johnson vaccination. And if that is approved, it's a one-shot jab. It's been used extensively in the States at the moment. Looks like we'll get decent supplies. And it's another it's another very positive day with the approval of that vaccine. And I know there's uh, more difficulties. I heard the Minister for Health this morning saying that just the AstraZeneca, they just cannot rely on supply. And that is something they really have no say over. But they're making their views known strongly. And I'm sure across Europe it is to the company as well. They committed to something, signed contracts, and now they don't seem to be able to uh, deliver to the full extent. But anyway, we'll watch this space. Overall, we're moving in the right direction. Need a bit more patience. I know we just want to let everyone and we all want to be free in the morning to do what we want, travel where we want, go for a pint, have a meal, things like that. I'm the same as yourself. I'm the very same. I am. I love it myself. But just have to be a bit more patient. That's what it's all about at this time. And this patience will pay off, please God, for us all in the end. Welcome to the show this Thursday. As I said, Tara Walker's with us a little later on and she's rustling up a taste of Asia. So if you want something quick in terms of a stir fry or a curry... Uh, Tara will point us in the right direction. I'm talking to a very interesting woman. She's a member of Toastmasters, a long-time member. Patricia Foley, she's joining me. Ah, she has a great old story about her. And she's on a mission, which you'll have to hear about, I promise you. Have you ever had a problem with overeating? Well, if you have, you'll want to listen to what Ruth has to say on the show today. She's joining us a little bit later on. We have Kylie. It's Country Kylie today, Yes. Uh, we're right up to date now, coming right up to date with our story this afternoon. And again, if you want to get in touch with me on the show, join in the conversation, which you do every day, and we love to hear from you. WhatsApp us, it's free. WhatsApp 086-1800-658. Or you can text in on the same number, 086-1800-658. Or if you'd like to call us, it's 1850-715-958. I'm staying on the, the COVID theme to start the show today. And I'm going to have a chat with a local woman 
who cannot wear a mask and doesn't. And I want to hear what life has been like for her out and about. Uh, because, you know, I have to say myself, when I see somebody not wearing a mask, I go, oh, my God. And I've said it to a few people and myself as well. Should you not have a mask on you? I really have. I've, 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 I've said it to people. But there is another side to this. And, Kate, we're changing this lady's name today and you'll understand why. Kate is on the line to have a chat with me. Hello, Kate. Hello. Well, look, you heard what I said there. You can imagine, like, I go out and about and at times I've seen people and I've said it to them. I said, look, you should be wearing a mask. Tell us from your experience what it's been like. It's been horrific. It's been horrendous. It has basically rendered me housebound. Um, I can't wear a mask. I have tried. My husband went and bought, I mean, maybe 14 or 15 variations of visors and masks and I can't do it. I just simply can't. Now, the reason I can't is because as a young child, so from about the age of two up until I was 17, I was horrifically abused um, and whilst abusing me my abuser covered me nose and mouth with a handkerchief you know an old man's handkerchief mm. and for me to even see a handkerchief is enough for me to be triggered and when I get triggered there's two I go into two different modes one is I start to get really aggressive now I'm not an aggressive person I'm really quite laid back sensible strong kind of person I'll either get really aggressive or I'll get panicked to the point where I pass out. And I, they brought in the mandatory wearing of masks last July, right? Now, when you read the law, the mandatory wearing of masks that was brought in last July wasn't quite sufficient enough to require everyone to wear a mask, right? Because they, it was upgraded in December. Now, I have been using local shops. I live in a village, Everybody knows me. Nobody knows my history because people are not comfortable to listen to my story. Right? So I tend not to tell it too often. People who know me would know. Community people wouldn't really be aware because it isn't something people are happy to discuss. Right? So I have been gone in and out of the local shops. Not too often because I only go to the ones that's necessary. And there's only maybe four that I have used in a year. Right? And it was fine. I didn't wear a mask. I was asked, do you wear a mask? No, I don't wear a mask. I have an exemption. Now, under Section 5A2 of the Health Act 2020, there is an exemption to wearing a mask. It's a very limited exemption, but I fall into that category. In July of last year, when the mandatory wearing of masks came about, I went to my GP and asked for a document, a supporting document, to say I didn't wear a mask. I couldn't wear a mask. And initially she refused and I fought on it and I was given the letter. I have a copy of the letter on my phone and I also applied for a hidden disabilities badge that states this person has a hidden disability and is not required to wear a mask, right? I got one. I was awarded one of them. I carry that in my purse. I've no issue showing it to people. That's no problem. I don't have an issue. In the last maybe four to five weeks, I have noticed a complete change in people's attitudes towards people not wearing masks. So prior to that, so I went to get on a bus one day, a local bus one day, and the driver said, you're not allowed on if you don't have a mask. And I said, no, I'm an exempted person. And he said, well, I don't know about this. And I said, well, you need to look into it. If you refuse me, you're discriminating under Section 4 of the Equal Status Act of 2000. He let me on. 
people on the bus weren't happy I wasn't wearing a mask. I wasn't sitting on their lap or anything. I sat well away from people. Be- because I am aware that people are afraid of people not wearing masks. Yes. But they're categorising everybody that's not wearing a mask in the same category, which is the people who, I don't know, the tinfoil hat people, the ones who don't believe there's an infection, who don't believe the masks work, who don't. I am not one of those people. I just simply cannot wear a mask. So it's clear, you're making that very clear, you're not conspiracy theorists or anything, you understand how dangerous this is and why masks are being worn. That is not the issue. But you've said something there, I have to say, Kate, that, you know, and and that's me you're talking about there. I would see you and not know and I'd say, come on, you should be wearing a mask. You can understand that people don't, if you're not wearing the badge or you're not, you know, holding the letter up in front of you, we assume. That's just, you know, the way it is. As I say, so if you, if I, if you're one of the people I bumped into that passed comments, 90% of the time I just ignore comments because people on the street, for me, right, are irrelevant. I, I, I have spent a year avoiding people simply because I can't wear a mask, right? And the judgment that's imposed upon me for not wearing a mask is horrendous. So, I tend not to engage. Now, there's been times where I've been very rude, and, but it'd be because they caught me in a day where I'm already triggered. So if I'm already triggered and somebody presses that trigger again, it's horrendous. I mean, mm. I had a hospital appointment and the security guard on the way and asked me, do you have a mask? I said, I'm an exempted person under law. That was acceptable to him. The radiographer asked me, when you came in, did you have a mask? I said, no, I'm an exempted person. And he said, that must be really tough. I said, it is really tough. And that was the first time. Now, I didn't tell him why I don't wear a mask. I said, I'm an exempted person. That was the first time anyone acknowledged the difficulty that a person who can't wear a mask could have. Like, Mm. that was the first time that ever happened. Later that day, I went to a local shop that I use maybe twice in a month, right? So I go to this place twice in a month. And when I went to that place, the... Staff member asked me to stand outside. Initially, I thought it was because she thought there was too many people in the shop and she thought I was last in. It transpired she had been instructed by a senior staff member that I wasn't to be in the shop without a mask. So I was to be served outside the door, right? I mean, that isn't acceptable. Mm. That isn't okay. And and were you identified? Did they identify you as someone who came to the shop? Not that regular, as you said. No, they know me. Yeah, did they know you? They know you. They do know me. Okay, so this was an instruction from above and you had to stand outside. What happened? Did you turn on your heel and leave? Did you shop there? No, I went back in because the stuff that I needed was, we were at crisis point and we needed it. And Mm. I was the only person available to to go and get it that day. So I stood my ground and I did say, they said a policy was introduced, we're going to save people that's not wearing a mask out the door. I said, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to stand for that because your policy, regardless of who your policy is aiming to protect, does not supersede statutory legislation. Mm. Can I ask you this? You know, they know you, you say, but if you were going in anywhere else, would it be wise to put the badge on and have that, uh, you know, the document on your phone available and when you are asked just to show both? I do show them. You do that, do I you? I do. That's and it. not everybody, like yesterday's incident that spiced me to go mental, <laughs> and that's, I will say go mental because that's exactly what I've done, it was that I showed the badge and still the person was, well, my staff have vulnerable people, my customers matter. And I was like, hold on, nobody comes before me because my rights 
are equally as valid as everybody else's. Mm. If you have a staff member that doesn't want to serve exempted people, then your staff member shouldn't be front of house. Because if that staff member, what I said was, if the staff member was a white supremacist, would they be allowed to refuse to serve a person of colour? No, they wouldn't. That would be discrimination. Yeah, no, I, I, and I, I see the comparison you're making. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just talk a moment, right? So I hear what you're saying. You've this has been a challenge for you, yes. but 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 overall, you've been able to go for the most part, do your shopping, carry out your business, even though it's been difficult. Yes. Okay. Now, ju- just come back to you, you mentioned on the street of that. Besides being refused, have you been the subject of abuse while out on the street or in a shop? People pass and comment, usually it's much older people. And I totally understand because they're vulnerable people. Mm. You know, I'm a vulnerable person. Mm. You know, I mean, I don't want to catch COVID-19. I don't want to spread COVID-19. And the person most at risk when out and about when I'm not wearing a mask is me. Do you know? Because you have, I do know, you have underlying conditions yeah. yourself as well. And just to tell our listeners that, somebody's just saying that, and I know you've addressed it already, they may be just joining, just to answer this, saying, could the lady not wear a face shield? You, you've spoken about that already, no. I can't, I have tried, I've tried everything. Yeah. We sat in the house, and when masks were brought out, my husband went out and got loads of them. He bought shields, masks, we got snoods, we got all sorts of things. Anything that covers my face is now go. I, I can't wear swimming goggles for Jesus' sake. You know, simply yeah. because it involves pressure to me face. Like, I just can't do it. And I mean, then we had people commenting on Facebook forums and other social media forums saying, oh, well, I mean, there's a picture of you and you're wearing face paint. I'm like, hold on. Face paint does not create a pressure on your face. I struggle to get me face painted mm. because I don't like people to touch my face. So my niece is a makeup artist and she does me makeup. You won't find me in uh, Brown Thomas sitting getting the makeup sample done because I just wouldn't let people that close to me. Okay, uh, just to, just to, just to let listeners know and yourself know while we're on this theme, news has just broken that the European Medicines Agency has approved the Johnson and Johnson one dose vaccine. It's been approved, and that is significant for everybody in Europe today, including in Ireland. It's a one jab vaccine. We've a lot ordered in this country. I mentioned it at the top of the show, and it's just breaking in the last couple of minutes that it has been approved, just to let everybody know that one. Now, look, come back to yourself and just but what you mentioned there at the uh, top, Kate, of our conversation at the beginning. This goes back to when you were a small child and continued, and it was sexual abuse. Yes, it was. Severe traumatic sexual abuse. And a family member? Yes, it was. And uh, a handkerchief was used to silence you? Yes. I I don't ever remember being told not to squirm, not to shout, not to do, I just knew. But I was two when it started, so I was an infant. Yeah, yeah, around two. Yeah. So that was the first incident that I recall. I recall it from start to finish. And when you tell people that, they're like, you couldn't possibly remember things when you were two. I do. And there's no doubt in my mind. And when I replayed it to the fam- other family members and I told them about how the room was laid out, the incident, I knew what I was wearing. I was two. Mm. 
So this has been with you, and, it's, and, and, and I want to just say again, it, it's not just, this is the face mask situation at the minute, but as you said there about your makeup, you can't, you have difficulty in the area of having to take on a mask for oxygen, you couldn't snorkel, uh, anything like that. Anything that, that uh, you know, brings you back, it's flashback, obviously, to all those years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after the conversation I had with your researcher yesterday, one of my sons is listening, he's an adult now, and he overheard some of the conversation and he said to me, Ma'am, is that why we can't hug you without asking for permission? Right? My kids can't hug me without asking for permission. Because if they launch themselves at me for a lovely hug, they'll probably get pushed, thrown across the room. I can't do it. It's not, I, it's not what I want. I'm working on it. I've been in counselling for 17 years. And I'm working on allowing people to touch me, just to touch me, to be in proximity where they can lean against me. Mm. I can't do that. We have more people saying about the plastic shield. I just see them, uh, uh, you know, uh, people coming in. It's not possible. Like I have a number of messages coming on on that one there. So, look, life has been tough it's not been easy you've had you know as you say yourself you have underlying conditions you are worried about covid yourself giving it to others and yet you have to try and you know get out and about to do the essential things that you have to do does anyone understand has anyone said you know when you've said to somebody uh you know i i I can't and i have this and that has anyone ever said oh i'm sorry i I didn't know the incident in the shop on the Saturday where I was asked to stand outside to be served and then they served me anyway. They rushed me. The senior staff member said, give her our stuff and get her out of the shop. Right? That was the language that she used about me. Right? And the proprietor wasn't there. And I sent an email to the proprietor saying, this is, the email is quite harsh. It's quite significant. It's not a topic I'm comfortable discussing with people because people are not comfortable discussing it. They get uneasy. Yes. I sent this. And when he rang me, he rang me husband because he didn't want to ring me because he didn't want to upset me. And he spoke to me husband and my husband said, can you speak to him? And I said, yes. And when I did, he said, I am really sorry. He said, never in my wildest dreams would that have been a scenario that I would have considered. Mm. I had considered everything. I had considered medical needs, physical needs. He said, I never once considered that anybody would have that I'm getting plenty of reaction from listeners. Keep it coming to us. You're hearing uh, what we're talking about on Late Lunch today with Kate. If you have something to say, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now or call in on 1850 uh, Anne says, Jerry, my heart goes out to that woman. But I, I have to say, she's still putting other people at risks. And in my book, she's not entitled to do that. Maybe she could get her husband to do the shopping and still go outside for walks in the open, uh, you know, uh, to uh, get a break from home. Just to cut Anne short there, I am not going out for walks. I am not mixing in the community. We are pretty much in a bubble since the 12th of March last year. The stuff that I need to avail of is in shops that are open from nine until five, right? Yeah. My husband works in Dublin. He cannot take the time off to assist me in the home with attending these things. Mm. And under law, I don't have to. You know, yeah. this is the part. So people are going to Health Act, it's mandatory, you can do this, you're putting people at risk. Read Section 5 
of the Health Act 2020. Yes, I have it here. I have I have the actual... Exemptions yeah. in place because exemptions yes. are required. And this is the sort of attitude that has people... I'm not the only person, because I did ring the Rape Crisis Network to ask, what is the level of complaints about this? Mm. Am I the only person that's experiencing this? The answer was, no, you're not. It's quite significant in survivors. Yes. And I'm like, so why is there not a campaign to advise people, to save people like me having to be confronted? On the Saturday when I was refused service in the local shop, I had a mental breakdown. I came home. My young young children have never seen an actual breakdown before. They witnessed it that day. I hope they never have to see that again because it traumatised every single person in my home. On the Saturday, I was not able to speak. On the Sunday, I did not get out of bed. And on the Monday, my husband, let's go back to work. So guess what? It's time for you to get back to the grindstone. Mm. You know, so people in my position, we don't, we don't make the laws. We didn't come out and campaign for this law to be exempted. So that means that the legislator knows that exemptions are required in law. Okay. If I was to take any of the people who have discriminated against me in the last few weeks to court, I would absolutely win. Based on the, yes, yes, based on the law. Yeah, I I, I have it, as I said, I I was looking at it this morning here and I see it as well. Look, Kate, I have to leave it there. Thank you for telling your story. I'm sure you reflect uh, other people as well who've experienced this and I'm sure we're going to hear from them on late lunch as we move through the afternoon. But I appreciate your honesty in everything you've spoken to me, but not at all. Yes, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's uh, Kate there. Name change, she's a local lady, I assure you here, living in the northeast to experience that recently. The messages are flying to me and I will get to them, I promise you. Just one more before we head to the first break of the afternoon. Hospital, the bus, shopping. In my book, Jerry, that's wrong. Uh, you're putting people at risk. Surely her husband uh, can do the shopping when he comes home at five. That's And there's a few messages along those lines as well. What do you think? Have you an opinion? What do you feel about this yourself? You've heard Kate's story there. Have you a view? Do you understand the situation she's in? Come on, let me know. Love to hear from you on the show. 86 658. Come on, WhatsApp or text me if you have a view, if you have an opinion. Love to hear from you. 1850-715-958 is the telephone. Late lunch. We're going nowhere. You stay where you are too. Hi, Jerry. The lady has an underlying condition. Would it not be wise to wear a mask? She can't wear a mask. You did hear what she said. You know her history as well. It's horrendous. It really is. She had a torrid time from two until 17, sexually abused. And, you know... The story, you heard it there, you know, a face mask or, you know, a handkerchief, an old handkerchief was used and she has that. She hasn't been able to deal with anything in that area of her face before the pandemic, never mind the uh, pandemic. Uh, I've nothing but sympathy for that poor woman, uh, says another listener. It's horrific what she went through and this mask wearing would have triggered every horrible memory she has and compounded uh, by people uh, making uh, bland assumptions about her. Uh, the government cons- should consider a tag or badge to issue to people who are exempt to separate them from the rest of people who are just not wearing them uh, so they don't have to suffer this abuse. There is a badge. She said she has a badge and I think that's a good idea to actually wear it and show it and she has the documentation as well. Um, another one there. 
Jerry, I have to say that some people who say they're exempt from wearing masks are really milking it. Not that that lady is. I understand her situation entirely. But I do know three people that go in and out of shops with no masks on. Their excuses to everybody is that they're exempt. Now, I know they're not exempt and they don't have a medical condition. It's an absolute joke that comes to us from Anne this afternoon. Keep your comments coming to us. I was walking yesterday evening. Oh, be the Lord, hoagie. Day 22 of my 40 days and nights for Slav. I set off and I said, I'll just put... I have a lovely golf suit to keep your bones dry. So I put on the top. It looked OK. I left the bottoms behind. Oh, jeez. I was only down the road about 10 minutes and the heavens opened. And I did a little video and I posted yesterday and I got a lot of reaction to it because in the video I said, a a, a saying came to mind from years ago, I used to hear people saying, especially at home. And I I just said, you know, and I wonder did anyone else ever hear this before? It was a good one. We did a good laugh about it always. And it just came to me yesterday as I walked and was soaked and was blown and buffeted. Where would you be with no bell in your bike and your knickers ringing? And I'll tell you, my knickers were peeling out yesterday evening and had to be peeled off as well. And I'll tell you, when I got into the shower, I didn't need much water, just shampoo, and I was flying, to be honest with you. Anyway, did you ever hear that saying before? It's a good one, isn't it? It just summed up, though, yesterday. Anyway, 40 days and nights for Slav. Do your best. You're doing great. You're helping a great young fella. 13 with cancer, three years on. He's still battling hard. GoFundMe.com. Oxygen for Slav, you can donate there and I appreciate every euro that's coming through. My word, your comments are rolling in uh, following my conversation with Kate Top of the show about not uh, wearing a mask because of a medical condition. Michael feels very sorry for that lady. She has a medical condition and can't wear the mask. It's uh, none of anybody else's business. Everyone has the rights, says Michael, to make their own decision. Thank you indeed for that. Um, The story is awful, but I feel that lady's attitude is brusque. There's a word I haven't heard in a while. It's a fine word. Shops deliver, Jerry. She has family to do it. Come on, says a listener. Supporting, uh, sorry, sympathy for that lady, Jerry. Um, uh, But I feel, honestly, she shouldn't be out shopping at this time. I'll just tell you, Jerry, my mother-in-law is in the same boat as that lady. And she hasn't been outside in a year at this stage. Oh, my God, I feel for that woman. I think of her today. Not out for a year. Thank you for your message. Um, Do the online shopping, says another listener. Uh, The abuse and flashbacks, I can understand, says this listener, are absolutely shocking. And how she speaks about it or copes, I'll never understand. But she has to also understand why other shoppers are fearful, Jerry. Thank you indeed for that. Um, Maddie's been on to say, leave her alone and don't be judgmental. That's what Maddie has to say. And there's more there. I'll come back to them. I promise you. And another one there just before we talk to my next guest. Jerry, your knickers will certainly be ringing today, says Carol. <laughs> they will. They will. They will. It's a sherry day. I understand what you're saying. And look, Carol, on a serious note, you go on to say, uh, listening to that lady, Jerry, it would break your heart and about the handkerchief. Oh, my word. I'm just trying to picture that here. Um, but look, uh, her husband, somebody said to you, Jerry, he should do the shopping. But he's probably at working during the day, he comes in in the evening. She's trying to play her part as well. Uh, but there you go. Anyway, thanks indeed, Carol. Lovely to hear from you this afternoon. And I will be back to your comments. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp, text me to the show. Now, I've spoken about this 
uh, on a number of occasions through the years, not recently in recent times at all. I'm talking about addictive eating. And there is an organisation called Addictive Eaters Anonymous and they're fantastic people who help those who have this difficulty. And joining me on the line today to tell us her story is Ruth. Hello, Ruth. Hello, Jerry. Thank you very much for having me on the show and thanks to your producer as well. Not at all. Delighted to talk to you this afternoon. Will you tell us your story? I'm, I'm curious. How, you know, growing up as a child into your teens, 20s, when did this addiction begin to take hold or why? Do you, can you pinpoint a time in your life? I think, Jerry, I was probably born an addictive eater and certainly as a child had lots of interest in baking and when a recipe had called for bacon X amount, I'd triple the recipe and make triple the amount of buns. So as a child, no trouble to eat food, interested in, in, in baking and food, but really it wasn't until my late teens and into my 20s that I found that I was becoming obsessed about food and starting to binge eat. Um, so, for example, I'd be in college and I'd come home at the weekend and if there was nobody else in the kitchen, I'd start eating and I'd have a sandwich and then I'd have a bag of crisps and then I might go and have um, ice cream from the deep freeze and then more bread. Um, and that could just keep going. And I did that on and off for years. But really, as the years went on, it became more frequent. The volumes of food that I was eating was getting bigger and all the time I was doing it in secret. And um, I knew that what I was doing wasn't normal or wasn't like other people um, and therefore I just went to great lengths to hide what I was doing. So if I heard people coming back into the house or back into the, the kitchen, I'd scramble to hide the wrappers and put them in the bin and put the bin out or if I was eating in the car um, I'd just make sure that you know I'd empty the car of wrappers before um, anybody else might notice what I'd been eating so yeah very much a mm. feature of my 20s mm. and uh, obviously hiding, you know, hide, wanting to hide this from view and conceal it as much as possible. But you know the way for most people listening today, and myself included, sort of when I'm hungry I eat. And of course at times you can, we all indulge. We know, we know that as well. I don't take it you weren't hungry all of the time. I, I suppose what surprised me was that I could have my lunch and, you know, proper, proper lunch. Yeah. And I'd still be hungry afterwards. And I'd say, well, look, I'm just going to have another sandwich or another slice of tart. And it didn't seem to satisfy that hunger. Mm. So I could see people who eat normally in my family have their lunch, have a slice of tart and be genuinely satisfied. Yes. But that wasn't my experience. And it felt like hunger, even though I would have said to myself, you couldn't possibly be hungry. You've just had your lunch or you've just had your dinner. But it really did feel like a hunger. And now I see it as that when I ate addictively, it set off a craving to want more. And one or two just wasn't enough. Um, and when I wasn't eating, I'd be obsessing about when I could eat and what I could eat. But 
would I put on weight with that and would I have to exercise? So mm. um, if I wasn't eating, I was more often than not thinking about it. Yeah, so in other words, it's psychological. Yeah, the problem really was in my in my mind. Yes. I, obsessed about weight, obsessed yeah. about food, mm. and I just wanted to eat and be thin. And you'd keep, you'd keep, you could just literally, I'm, I'm not, you're not joking here, you could just keep going and eating, you could go through a full day eating on the hour, every hour, you know the announcement you hear with our news here, you could really just keep going all the time. Yeah, like I could start and have a breakfast and then I'd be standing in the kitchen with my hand in the cereal box, just eating out of the cereal box and then I'd have toast and one meal could blend into the next yeah. meal. Um so I could see other people able to have their three meals a day and be satisfied. The, the, the lines between my meals often were not. Uh, yes. Were not yeah, it blurred completely. One, as you said, one into the other. But two things yeah. uh, just crossed my mind here as I'm speaking to you. Did you balloon? You know, you said you said uh, you used the word there thin. And yet mm. that doesn't tie in with, you know, overeating, does it? So I I would often put on weight I'd often be a bigger weight than I should be genetically or for my height and more often than not I was heavier than I reckoned I should be and um, and that was because I was eating more than I needed now there were times where I'd be losing a bit of weight because I would be on some diet or saying to myself okay you can't eat the chocolate and you can't eat the cake but even when I was on a diet, the obsession was still there. And mm. for example, I might make a big pot of vegetable soup and say, well, that's healthy. But I could work my way through that vegetable soup. That would be enough for a family. Or I'd get a big bottle of you know, Diet Coca-Cola and work my way through that really quickly mm. or eat a load of chewing gum. So sometimes when I was doing stuff like that, maybe the weight wouldn't yes. increase as much. But I know. I was still eating it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, so you, you you know, you look to try to eat excessively in a healthy vein. What about people around you, your life, your family, your friends? Did anyone pick up on this? I don't think they did, um, Jerry. I was so secretive about what I did. So if I was with you, I wouldn't be binge eating. I'd wait. I'd wait until I was on my own. So I'd wait until I was in my bedroom on my own or I'd wait until I was in the car on my own. Um, I was very conscious that what I was doing didn't look normal and I felt it didn't look cool. Um, And I didn't want anyone to maybe spot that what I was doing was not healthy or normal. Yes, yes. And that concealing and... Trying to make everything look as normal as possible. Yeah. Into your early 20s it began. How long did this go on for? So when I was 30, I had an experience of realising that this problem with food and weight had me beaten. Um, ways and means that I tried to control the effect of the food just weren't working. I couldn't exercise, um, as in the motivation wasn't there. And therefore... The weight just went on and on and on. And I remember thinking, if it goes beyond a certain weight, that will surely make me stop. And I knew I was gone beyond the weight and I just stopped weighing myself. And it didn't make me stop eating addictively. Um, 
not being able to fit into clothes that I knew I should be able to fit into didn't stop. So I just got to a place where I realised unbeaten. And today I'd regard it as, or I'd say to myself that I got to a place where I knew I was powerless. I just could not get the better of this um, problem, which I now see as addiction. And around that time, I saw a flyer in a, in a library that said it's food a problem for you. And I used to walk by that flyer saying, yeah, it is. It is a problem. Mm. And when I rang the people who'd put up the flyer, they were members of Addictive Eaters Anonymous. And the woman just shared a little bit of what it had been like for her. And I knew that she got what it was like. She got what it was like to really, really want to stop, but not be able to, to be eating this volume of food, to be obsessed about trying to get thin, and out of that, I ended up meeting another person who shared her story with me. And she just shared honestly about what it had been like, but it wasn't like that anymore. And then I went to meetings um, where members of Addictive Eaters Anonymous shared their stories, about what it used to be like, what happened, and that it wasn't like that anymore. They'd found a way out from the problem of addictive eating. So that little thing in the supermarket nearly drew you to it. And that was the start of your moving away from addiction to food. Did it take time? How, how, what, what would you say now? You know, you spoke to somebody I know initially and it was like a light bulb moment, as you said. Wow, I'm not alone here. That's right. Did it, did it take time to, to move away from this? How long did it take? And what did you do or what helped you most to get back to normality, if I could use that word? I suppose, like, a key for me was realising that I had a problem and that it was a problem that I couldn't manage. Um, and then when I came to the meetings, I just really related to people. And in time, I started the programme of recovery, which is based on the programme of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I asked a woman who I call a sponsor, to help me. And she helped show me what had worked for her. And very quickly, things improved for me. Um, very quickly, I didn't have to binge eat. Um, I didn't have to be obsessed about food and weight. But it took time insofar as um, I found that first year in recovery quite intense because I was going to meetings that I'd never gone to before. I was keeping in touch with members who found recovery. So I was doing things differently. Um, but there was a relief there. Even even in that first year, there was a relief that somehow this was a way out. This I wasn't going to have to feel like I was self-destructing and I was no longer sitting on the bedroom floor wondering how I'd got myself into this mess. So... I'm still in recovery. I still need to go to meetings. I still need the help of a, a sponsor. I still need to keep in touch with other members. And I suppose while I, I don't know that it's that I've become normal, it's that I found a way not to eat addictively and not to be obsessed about food and weight. So um, 
Yeah, I isn't don't that that isn't that just so positive? Either. Isn't that isn't that? Like, I hope you're listening to your own words there. That many others are listening to today. This is a real good news story that you've been able to, you know, find help and work with that help and continue to work with that help because it is an ongoing situation. But life must be so sweeter now. I know you you have a child now. Have you more than one? You have one, yes. I I have just had a, a little baby, our first little baby. Ah. Just over six weeks old. Lovely. To me, um, it's it's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, just to be able to have a healthy pregnancy and not to have to eat addictively within the pregnancy or since is absolutely thanks to the help I've got in Addictive Eaters Anonymous. It, it just wouldn't have been like that if, if I hadn't been in recovery. I don't believe she'd be here oh. in recovery. You're breaking our hearts today. You really are. That's so touching. It really is. But it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful outcome from the dark place you were in. And that time, you know, you said there that you were sitting wondering, what does the future hold for me? But it's, mm. it, it shows you there is a way beyond addictive eating. Look, uh, you're fantastic. And I could stay talking to you all day. I really could because your story is a, is a wonderful, wonderful one. And we wanted to touch base with you today to oh, give hope. Not at all. No, because thank there are people listening today who will empathise with what you said but you would say just to finish off Ruth make that move today contact Addictive Eaters Anonymous Absolutely and there's a number of ways you can contact us we have a phone number which is 01554-9725 or you can contact us by email on contact at aeairl.org or you could look up our website, which is www.aeairl.org. And on that website, you'll find details of the online meetings that are happening and our monthly web event and how to register for that. Um, so absolutely, I'd say to people, if you feel that you have a problem with food or you know somebody with a problem with food, you're more than welcome at the meetings um, or more than welcome to contact us by phone or email and a member will be in contact back. There you go. There you are. That will happen because it happened to uh, Ruth and it can happen for you too if you find yourself in that situation. And it goes without saying before I say goodbye to you that obviously the last year with the pandemic, uh, as a crutch, many people have turned to food and drink as well. We know that. And others, you know, are out exercising their their little butts off to try and, you know, keep going as well. But there is a side to this that has proved difficult for people. And I'm sure you're well aware of that as well. So if you are experiencing more difficulty in this area of overeating in the last year you feel you have a problem you know now where to go Ruth you're a star best wishes to you and new baby and uh, keep on going down that wonderful road that you're on now thank you very much Jerry. Thank Thank you for joining me on the show. Bye-bye I appreciate it lovely lady isn't she she really is what a story so there you are light hope Yes, real promise there if you feel you're in that situation. 01554 is the phone number. 
and you can get in touch uh, contact at A-E-A-I-R-L dot org that's contact at A-E-A-I-R-L dot org and if you didn't have time to get those details if you want to ring in we'll pass them on to you from 1857 you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon we have a Toastmaster to talk to we have Kylie Minogue to uh, go country today and Tara Walker will be here to rustle up some tastes of Asia. Why would you do anything else? Only put on the kettle, have a copper, and stay with us. I'm just swaying here from side to side. Love that one. Long time since I heard it. 1995 from Prince's Gold Experience album. And here's the thing. That song was Prince's only number one in the UK charts. The only song of his that made number one in the UK, that particular song there, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. It's lovely. It really is. And you're great too. Thanks for all your comments coming to us on Late Lunch this afternoon. Back to our opening interview with Kate again. Joanne feels so sorry for Kate. If you're just joining us and you didn't hear the story, she was telling us that she's exempt from wearing a mask. And she's had a lot of abuse. She's been turned away from a local shop, even though she has the badge. She has the letter from her GP. So that's the context of Kate's story that we're getting reaction to. Joanne feels so sorry for her that she was refused in a shop where she's known and they know she's exempt. Berndet says, I'm full of sympathy for Kate, but non-masked people really stress me out, Jerry." Another listener says, wear the badge. People have to realise Kate is uh, not... Sorry, can I say that again? Let me read it again. People have to realise that Kate is exempt. This is what this listener is saying. But they would advise her to wear the badge. People have it wrong, Jerry. You wear the mask to protect yourself. So when you have a mask on, you're fine. No matter what anyone else does. Thank you. Heard that saying, Jerry, very funny. You should have brought the shower gel with you on the walk yesterday and you wouldn't have had to have a shower. You're dead, right? That's a sure thing. Uh, Angela's been on to say, Jerry, people at times, they just really get to me. Listen to that woman's story. Were you listening to what she said? You know, she has no other option. She has to. She can't wear the mask because of her backstory. I understand it. I understand what she's saying, says Angela, and so on and so on they go. Thank you indeed for uh, getting in touch with us on the show today. Did you hear there's a big demand for Lego? Lego's in short supply. You can't get Lego at the minute. There's been an absolute run in it. I think our Louise Walsh has it all below in her house. Well, a few pictures I saw shortly. If you're stuck for Lego, give Louise a shout. There'll be plenty of it there for you. It's all over the place as well, you know, like I'm sure she'll find a piece somewhere for you in the house. Anyway, there is a shortage of Lego in the world at the minute and uh, Lego fans are finding it difficult to get the pieces uh, they want. Lego, great toy, isn't it? Going back years and years. Just a little ditty there that's come to me today on Late Lunch. Now, still to come on the show. Well, I'll tell you what's next up. There's plenty to come still. But next up, we're going to have a chat with a lovely lady. She's a Toastmaster, Patricia Foley. And she's on a mission, and we're going to hear about it next. How do you have sympathy for someone who does not make it obvious to the shopkeeper that they're exempt? Uh, They wait to be questioned uh, why they have no mask, and then they tell the store uh, they are exempt. Uh, There has to be a badge. She has a badge, yeah. Uh, There has to be an obvious badge that they could wear around their person 
or having their hand when approached. You're right. I, I agree with your comment there. And I did suggest that to Kate earlier on. I think the badge should be displayed. If there's a particular badge that says you're exempt and uh, the word should be put about right across the country that if somebody has this, they're exempt. And then people know. And I, I take a point. It's a very good uh, point. Well made indeed. Thank you for the message today to the show. Now we move on on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. And I'm delighted to say hello to Patricia Foley. Patricia, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining us on the show. Now, you are a Toastmaster of long, of long-standing, let me say to my listeners. Will you tell them how you came to Toastmasters first? Sure. They call me the Elder Lemon in our club. <laughs> but, um, oh, I went back to college when I was about 35 and to do teaching. And I was out doing teaching practice, my first teaching practice. And the inspector was very scathing of me and he said the kids at the back cannot hear what you're saying you need to do something about your voice now he wasn't one bit nice about it but uh, I, I said it to the principal and he said look he said one of the teachers here is in Toastmasters why don't you go along with her to a meeting and see what you think that would help you to project your voice so I did and that was the start of it <laughs> and away you went from away there went, yeah. isn't it isn't it interesting how people become involved and that was a club in Dublin you are a member in Navin now I started the Navin Club because I was working towards okay. a Distinguished uh, Toastmaster Award and I had to start a club. So I started the uh, Navin Club 26 years ago. I see. So when you moved, when you left Dublin, you started a brand new club yourself in Navin? Well, I was already living out in uh, Rathau. Yes. And I, I was driving in because I okay. didn't know about Toastmasters. I didn't know there were... Yeah. And there weren't as many clubs then. Yeah, and yeah. The Blana Club was only the second one ever in Ireland. Oh, that's the one you were a member of, Blana first, was it? Yeah, I know that. I know of that one, a very famous Toastmaster Club indeed in Dublin. So you started there and then you came out and you furrowed or you ploughed your own uh, furrow in, in Navin and the rest is history. But look at, so, it, and, and, and did it do what, you know, you went there to achieve, that you were able to throw your voice better? It did, but now these things don't happen overnight. Yeah. It's by... I always say to new people coming in, you get into, you get out of it what you put into it. You want to make a plan with yourself. I'm going to speak every night at the impromptu session or I'm going to do so many speeches over the next couple of months, etc. And you get to do leadership roles as well. Mm. So, as I say, you put into it. And bit by bit, I didn't even realise that my voice was changing. But I found that, yes, when you have to actually stand up at competitions, and I love competitions, in front of a couple of hundred people, you have to be sure that they're going to be able to hear you. Because back when I started, they didn't use microphones very much. Mm. And uh, you really did have to uh, use the voice. And it just happened practically without me knowing. There you go. So that's another aspect to Toastmasters. You know, people often say that uh, making the first step with Toastmasters is the most difficult. Going there for the first time, you know, and being afraid of being put on the spot. What do you say to somebody? Now, I know you haven't been together for the last year, but please, God, uh, in the uh, the months ahead and uh, you'll be back together again in person. What do you say to somebody who might have that contact? concept well, of it. We're actually on Zoom at the oh, moment. Oh, yeah, it's like the world, yeah. It's yeah. actually easier on yeah. Zoom new people coming in because you can, you can turn off. <laughs> yes, you can. You can. <laughs> I always oh, get that's a cheat. the person who contacts us and say, look, come along. If you want to speak, you're very welcome to, but no pressure will yes. be put on you. And we allow people to come for two meetings um, free of charge. You know, no expectations of yeah. them. We do... Um, put out one topic, a simple one like what's your favourite book or your favourite film 
that they can, just to hear the sound of their own voice yeah. or ask them why did they come along and what would they expect mm. from those masters mm. and sort of, you know, get them gently into it. Yeah, do you, obviously you, you mentioned you love uh, uh, yourself, competition and, you know, speaking to an audience and you would prepare for that. Is the impromptu stuff an important part of it as well? Let's say, as you say, you throw out a book or throw out a word and just put somebody on the spot to, pe- to speak about it. Well, it depends. Some people are brilliant at that. Yeah. I don't like that part I know. of the meeting. I like to know exactly what I'm going okay. to say. Um, but I, I do it. I do it. And uh, you, you actually, you do get a bit better at it. It's harder to organise your thoughts if you're the first one to be called on and, and you get a topic that you don't, you're not particularly familiar yes. with it. But there are an awful lot of people I notice that they talk around it. <laughs> they don't actually hit the topic at all. They go around about. Or you can, there's, there's a few little tricks. You can take, use it as almost like a, a mini debate, speak for the topic and against it. Yeah. And then sum it up. It's only it's only one to two minutes. Mm. They haven't got a huge length of time. Yeah. I, I, I want to tell listeners that this challenge that you've have you set yourself this challenge or has it been set for you which one the blog yes oh the blog yeah no um the toastmasters brought in a new program i think they wanted to update it you know particularly with new people coming in yeah the different things that they want they're all into social media etc so they have a new uh, um program called toastmasters now i didn't realize all the things that were on it but you, the, one of them, the one I'm doing, is to write a compelling blog. Now, I don't know how compelling mine is or not, but it's a blog. And uh, there's another one to set up a podcast. Yeah. And uh, cons- getting consensus with an audience or managing a difficult audience, things like that. Yeah. And so it really is moving with the time. Mm. It's and Pathways is the name of the programme, yeah, that uh, under the auspices of Toastmasters. Yeah, so you, your, your blog is under development, and I've been looking at the development part of it today. A couple of interesting things you have in there that I just wanted to talk about for a moment. Um, when you, uh, you mentioned you came and set up in Navin, and you have a fine club there now. Tell me about the fellow who put together... Um, was it a speech he gave using yes, cliches, yes. is it? You've interviewed him a few times. Uh, Peter Finnegan is his name. Oh, yes. You've interviewed Peter. Lovely man. Very, very witty, witty, witty man. Yes. You know, he'll stand up at Toastmasters and he'll have you rolling around the place. He comes up with most unusual ideas on things. But he was, I don't know why he was interested in cliches, but he decided to round up as many as he could. And he went online. He won't take credit for the speech at all. He'll say, I looked it up. But he found as many cliches as he could. And you'll see in the piece. It's brilliant. an awful lot of them. It's and brilliant. And fashioned it together yeah. as a letter to Toastmasters to see what he <laughs> could do about eradicating it. So I just asked his permission. Could I use it? Mm. Log and it's fine. very good. And you talk about your granny, your granny oh, Jane. Granny, yeah, granny Jane. Oh, my it. God. And, and you're, you're really honest here. You, oh. you tell the story of your dad who was uh, following the religious path and uh, jumped ship at the last minute and Granny Jane wasn't happy. Oh God, she wasn't. You know, she even, like, I, I was a teenager and I can still remember her going on about it and if it wasn't for my, for my mother he would have stayed in. <laughs> She's the scarlet woman, your poor mammy. Holy God. Oh, they, they hated each other. Did they? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because, um, you know, I, I know when there was a religious in the family many moons ago, it was nearly a, 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 an indulgence to heaven, wasn't it? Yes, it was a, a, a sort of a badge of yes. a parents' cap, so, so to speak, if, if you had somebody went into the religious life. And I can remember in school myself, you'd be told that, you know, if uh, a son or a daughter went into religious life, 
that you had guaranteed yourself a place in heaven. And that was the piece that annoyed her most, that my mother took away her seat in heaven. Oh, they, and it stayed with them all the time. And of course, then you arrived with two others and the rest is history. Hey, I'll tell you, I'm a little bit jealous of you now and I'm going to tell my listeners why. I I particularly like Mrs. Brown's boys. Now, I know it's Marmite, you either love it or loathe it, but I have seen some, at times it, it, it is, I have to say, some of them don't really hit the nail in the head, but an awful lot of what Brendan O'Carroll has done, it's classic slapstick comedy, but he does it so brilliantly. And I have to say, there's some golden moments through Mrs. Brown. It's hard to be consistent all of the time, but you have an association, Patricia, with Mrs. Brown's boys. Yes, I got a job, but no, I retired in 2010 and at the time my eyesight was getting very bad and I decided I'd have to get something done. And you might remember there was a big ad campaign on um, Eamon Holmes' wife, Ruth, was spearheading it. Yes. And it was that you could get new lenses into your eyes and it was very expensive to go over to England and get it done. And I was thinking, God, if I could get the extra money together. And the next thing I heard was that Mrs. Brown's boys, that Fiona, uh, Brendan's daughter, was looking for a tutor to go along on the trip to Australia, which was a three-month trip, um, to teach one of the children. And I applied for it, not thinking I'd get it because of my age. I thought they might want somebody younger. But uh, I believe it or not, I did get it. So I went off <laughs> with Mrs. Brown's boys for three, <laughs> three months. And then two years later, they invited me to go again with them for another three months. And this time I had two children to teach. But I really enjoyed it. I really, I mean, you know, you talk about salt of the earth, people. That's what I would describe. Yes. Uh, the O'Carrolls. And not just the O'Carrolls, but the other people involved yes. in it. They're all, nearly all friends and uh, relations. And they were just, and everybody was accepted as part of the family. Mm. Like I was sort of outside in a way. I was the only one who had no connection to the family at all. Yeah. But I, I was t- taken to their breast, let's say, as if I was part of the family. That's really nice to hear. And, and, and we do know that, that Brendan, like he went through very tough times. Yeah. And uh, he always stayed loyal to the people who are close to him. And look at my God, have they reaped the rewards subsequently. And he's very good to people, I know that. And his philanthropy is well known also. Um, so you just, uh, did uh, the curriculum with the children or, or what, you know, what was that based on? on- I did, I well, now, the, the little lad was just in senior infants at right. the time. And, it, it, you know, it was, his hours would have been half nine to two. Mm. And they were the hours I did. So I had a lot of time off yeah. to go sightseeing and go places. And that was what I did with him. Now, it's a little bit more difficult. I did bring a massive big case uh, with all sorts of resources in it. But, you know, I followed the curriculum in as much as yes. I could. But there was great, I mean, there was great learning in it for them. Mm. Some of the museums and water worlds and that sort of things over in Sydney and Melbourne, absolutely brilliant. I mean, a lot of kids would never get the chance yes. to see them. And they went to so many things. It was just... And had you ever been to Australia before? Yes, I have a son in Australia. Ah, there you go. That's actually why I was interested. <laughs> you I see. Trip over to oh, good back. woman, good woman. There's no yeah. bait in it. Well, well done to you for getting the gig. And on where did you stay? Did they put, were they hotel stays or oh, did they rent homes or? Luxury apartments. I see. And yeah. flew out and back business class, which I'd oh. never been in before. And, oh, God, it spoils me. I can't ever go. I don't think I'll ever go, um, as my son calls it, cattle class again. 
<laughs> Listen, as they say at the minute, if I got on the propeller, I think I'd uh, take a chance if I could get away on a holiday. <laughs> oh, it's a great story, and you're associating with them. By the way, do you like the, the comedy? Do you know? Do you ever? Do you watch Mrs. Brown's Oh Boys? yeah, I went. To, I do. I do. No, did you go to the shows. I had never watched it before. I yeah. up with them, and then I thought, God, I better start watching some of it, and I did, and I actually enjoyed it because I like slapstick yeah. comedy. Um, so I started watching it, and on the way home from Australia the first year, when we got off the plane, people were saying, like, what did you watch? What did you watch? And I was asked what I watched. I had watched five episodes of Mrs. Brown's Boys, so you could say I was really, uh, I was really hooked on it. You were immersed in it, yes, that's yeah. for sure. Look, you're lovely, and it's great to catch up with you today, and you have a wonderful story. If people listening today, you are on Zoom. I presume you're still open for well, new yeah. co- n- newcomers. How do people get, get in touch? Well, we meet on the first and third Wednesday um, of every month. Um, can, well, like, is yes. it okay to give yes. um, an email? Y- yes, please. Yeah, it's pat, P-A-T-C, Foley, at yahoo.ie. Okay. And I will, anybody who gets in touch with me, I will contact them straight away. Okay, yahoo.ie, you're sure it's the dot .ie at the end, dot yes. IE. Okay, Patsy Foley at yahoo.ie for Nav and Toastmasters. You can Zoom, you can switch in and out, you won't be on the spot, <laughs> but you will love, because I know over the years uh, with the various Toastmaster clubs I've spoken to and people, they're wonderful, and it's a great place to hone your skills in speaking, build your confidence and throw your voice as Patricia yes. Foley uh, did. And have a good sense of humour. Yes, like Peter, as you mentioned there, he's a, a great fellow and I say hello to him today. Patricia, thank you for joining us on the show. Wish you well. Thank you very much, Sherry. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Patricia Foley there. A long-time member of Toastmasters. Great organisation. It's great to hear they're still zooming along there. We want to get back in person. My partner took me to see Mrs. Brown's Boys, Jerry, at the O2 Live. It was absolutely fabulous. Never saw a live show, I have to say, but I've enjoyed many of the episodes on television. Jerry, just wanted to say that Patricia, Patricia Withers from Toastmasters, Patricia Foley, is the most wonderful Toastmaster and a brilliant speechwriter. She supports and encourages other to fi- others to find their voice and mentors and supports them along the way. I am a Division C Toastmaster director and we have wonderful Meath and Loud clubs in Drogheda, Dundalk, Dunboyne and also wonderful clubs for any new members. All clubs can be found online. Thank you, Marion, for that lovely message and those words for Patricia today. You can just feel she is a, a lovely, lovely lady. Still to come on Late Lunch today, well, after news, uh, sport and weather at three, Tara Walker will be with us and she's uh, concentrating on Taste of Asia today. So store fries and curries on the way and they can be rustled up in jig time. Kylie, my artist of the week, we have another part of her story and a song for you as well. All that coming up after three o'clock. And uh, don't forget, uh, Late Lunch LMFM Radio is podcast every day after we finish up here. But an hour after we're finished, you can pick up a full podcast of the show on lmfm.ie. But taking us to new sport and weather. (laughs) It's my day for sure. Kylie next. First Billy. Now my artist of the week this week is none other than Kylie Minogue. And we move into the teensies. The teensies. What are the teensies for Kylie? Yeah, 2010 onwards. And her successes continued in terms of touring and new music. Aphrodite was her first album of the decade with several successful singles, including All the Lovers. She celebrated 25 years in the business in 2012. And in 2013, the following year, Another change for she parted company with her manager, 
Terry Blarney, who'd been her manager since she began from day one, way back in the 80s. She moved on, however, she became a mentor, do you remember, on The Voice UK. Uh, she released the Kylie Christmas album, terrific album it is, in 2015, before releasing her 14th studio album called Golden in 2017. So different to anything else she did previously. Yes, a country album from Kylie. You know something? The critics loved it and our fan base thought it was fantastic. The album went to number one in the UK and its lead single, Dancing, also enjoyed huge chart success. In 2019, 14 years after she was due at Worthy Farm, yes, Glastonbury, she was supposed to play 14 years earlier. She was uh, diagnosed, as I mentioned yesterday, with breast cancer. She had to cancel all that. 14 years on, Kylie headlined Glastonbury with a set that earned rave reviews, playing to a TV audience, one of the biggest ever for Glastonbury, of 3.9 million and a jam-packed live audience who simply adored her on the pyramid stage. And yes, country and Kylie? Oh yes, it's a fact. Let's go back to the one that was the big hit from Golden. It's dancing. Oh my God. I'm out of breath. <laughs> I have. I've been buckling around the studio here. Oh, in the name of God. Will I catch me breath? You think I'd be a bit fitter with all the walking, wouldn't you? <laughs> Don't we all want to go out dancing? Of course we do. Oh, come on. We're going to go buckling mad when this is all over and the shackles are off for sure. Yeah, I've seen a bit of buckling there around the studio myself. Kylie and dancing from the album Golden. Whoever thought? She could do country. By God, that one can do anything she turns her mind to. Anyway, we conclude the Kylie Minogue story on Late Lunch tomorrow with another big song from the pint-sized Aussie. Up next, it is Tara Walker. She's waiting patiently. Hello, Tara. Hello, Jerry. <laughs> ah, good to talk to you again. Thank you so much for joining us from East Coast Cookery School. Well, what are we going to do? Look at a taste of Asia today. Yes, and we're going to talk a little bit about stir fries. And actually, I'm just thinking they're just ideal at this, you know, at the moment when everybody's at home. But like, we're all stuck at home, but we're also kind of busy at home if we're working and trying to homeschool, etc. So they're a great kind of quick, healthy midweek meal. OK, so, and you know, I, I love my stir fries myself. And they're great, as you say, Tara, Tara. They're quick and easy. And, you know, you can get lots of veg in there as well. Along with, uh, you can do a vegetable one, I'm sure, a vegetarian. But I, I like them, you know, let's say with a bit of chicken, sometimes with prawn and uh, a beef. I want to ask you this first and put you on the spot. I love a sweet and sour. How would you do a sweet and sour uh, sauce from scratch? Yeah, well, sweet and sour is usually you're using using some form of like a syrup or a sugar, obviously, to sweeten it. So it's basically a chili sauce with either honey or you can even go with maple syrup or you can go with just some uh, sugar and just boil it up together, basically, in a pot, you know, reduce it down. OK, and it's as simple as that. There's nothing more complicated to it. No, they're very, very simple. And actually, you know, I remember years and years ago, my little sister loved a particular one. I can't remember what the, I think it was Uncle Ben's or something. And um, she she bought it a while ago, having not had it for years, making them herself. And she just, it was too sickly sweet almost, you know, when you've gotten used to, and I'd say that for all Asian food and stir fries and things, when you get used to making your own version, they're so much more fragrant than that it tend to have a lot of, 
heavy on the salt and often MSG as well, you know, the yes. flavour enhancer. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm thinking about. So look, take us through, just throw it out there. What about a chicken stir fry if you're doing something with chicken? What way would you put it together? Yeah, well, what I was actually going to say to you, like I, for me, there's like an almost like a little formula you can go with. Okay, let's hear it. So you have, pick out your protein. So whether you're going to have chicken, beef, pork, salmon, prawns. I tend to love fish stir fries with salmon or prawn. Um, then go with your, your veggies, whatever veg you want. Then whatever your carbohydrates going to be. So you're going to have noodles or rice. And then go with what your flavours are going to be. So obviously you're looking for with Asian food usually that balance between the sweet, the sour, the salty and the spicy. So it's like a formula. Protein, vegetable, carbohydrate and then sweet, sour, salty, spicy mix. You know, so you can obviously if you were going with the sweet and sour sauce, you're kind of ticking two of those boxes already, you know, so you just want a little bit of a salty element. So you'd have your soy sauce or your Thai, you know, your Thai fish sauce, nam pla, one of those kind of things. So it's it's really, really easy. Like I always think stir fries are great, as I say, for the midweek meals, because if you have your sauces in and your carbohydrates in, then it's really just your protein and your vegetable that you have to buy. Um, And if you have a well-stocked freezer and fridge, you can really throw it together very easily, you know. And Tara, starting off, uh, am I doing this right? I'll, I'll, I'll put myself in the spotlight here. I uh, <laughs> normally add uh, uh, the rapeseed oil or whatever to the to the uh, wok. I uh, put in my meat, uh, you know, with the chicken to seal it quickly, then follow in with some onion and, say, garlic, in with your peppers, onions, carrots, whatever veg you have then, and then add the sauce. Am I doing it right? Depending on what I'm cooking, so... Uh, if it's obviously beef or chicken, that needs a little bit longer. So, yes, start with those. If I was doing fish, I might just brown them and then set, take them out onto a plate okay. again or a bowl, you know, and finish off the other things, not to overcook them. But the big thing, I think, is to have everything prepped. Like, I would be very, because of what I do for a living, you know, I chop something, get it on, do the next thing when I'm in a hurry. But I would with stir fries. You want to have your wok really good and hot and smoking, and you want to have everything ready to go in the moment when it's required as opposed to oh suddenly you're going off looking yes. in, in the fridge and you're going to start chopping a pepper or something so I actually would prefer to keep there's a, a really nice little flavour base that you can just add in at the end of garlic ginger and chilli so just finely chop or mince some garlic ginger ginger and chilli and pop them in a little bowl and only add those in for the last minute or two so your your protein's already cooked your vegetables are already cooked and you're just adding those in at the last minute with some sauce. So whether your sauce is soy sauce and a bit of lime juice or some rice wine vinegar and a bit of nam pla, whatever vibe you're going with, it'll just keep it much fresher. I think you lose the freshness of the garlic, let's say, if you add it in earlier on. OK. Um, as you mentioned there after the meat, because the whole thing is to get that lovely fragrance rather than a really heavy, gloopy f- texture, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, you've changed me now. So I'm keeping that till the end. I'm doing everything else okay, though. Just to, that little nuance will make yes. all the difference, you're telling me. I think so, because it just gives you that lovely... Like if you, you know, if you imagine back in the days when we could go to restaurants and takeaways and things, um, if you go to a really good Asian restaurant, like it's so fragrant. It's not that yeah. really kind of heavy mm. feeling. And that's usually because... Um, the, the, the vegetables and those flavours like your garlic, ginger, chilli are just added in for the last couple of minutes, you know, last moment or two. So it's the combination then as well, just to say for listeners, the combination and different combinations of the soy, the na plam, things like that, that actually give it the ultimate flavour that, that you want, whatever it's- you like yourself. 
Exactly, exactly. So, and it, they are great because once you buy soy sauce or nampa, I mean, there's what, five, six Asian supermarkets in Drogheda at this stage. I use them all regularly. And once you have a well stock store cupboard with those, you can throw together a dish so quickly. And I would much prefer to do it that way than say buy those sauces that are in the pouches or whatever, because I just, I just personally, I find them quite artificial in flavor because I'm used to making my own, but also it's just much cheaper and much mm. quicker and handier to just make your own basically. Now, if you're having noodles, for example, with your stir fry, do you like to toss them, like cook them for the few minutes and then toss them through the whole lot in the wok or serve them separately? What's your preference? Yeah, like depending on the recipe, I suppose. I do probably with noodles. Sometimes I like keeping the rice separate, but I, yeah. I throw the noodles in. You okay, know? yeah. Um, there's a recipe that's a long-standing recipe I've been doing here a lot with kids' camps and even uh, virtually now with our family cook-alongs. And it's a chicken or salmon chow mein. And it's, it always goes down really well. So we have the chicken or the salmon on the pan, on the wok, cooked out. Then usually some mini corn, mange too, that sort of thing. Throw it in. And then your noodles at the end and then a little bit actually in that one, we put a little bit of um, tomato ketchup in, which would be more from the sweet and sour vibe that you were talking about earlier. Um, A little bit of ketchup and a little bit of soy sauce, oyster sauce and ginger and toss the whole lot together. And you get that lovely kind of freshness and everything. The noodles are coated in that lovely sauce then as well. Um, Look, the other thing I want to talk to you about today was curry, because, uh, you know, curries are very, very popular to buy and take away. But you've shown me in the past how simple they are to rustle up at home. Will you just remind listeners again, making a curry from scratch, what combination of uh, spices do you need? Well, look, and my absolute easiest one, and it's on the website for any of your listeners on eastcoastcookeryschool.ie there. It's called Easy Fragrant Chicken Curry. And it's always a winner with adults and children alike, I have found. And basically, it's turmeric, a little bit of ground cumin, ground coriander, ground ginger, and even just those four most basic ones, and a little bit of chilli if you have it, um, or you can throw fresh chilli in. And you'll have a lovely curry paste um, made just with a little bit of water or a little bit of oil just from that. And then you can add in your little bit of fresh garlic and fresh ginger. That kind of really elevates it to something that's, again, fragrant rather than like that heavy kind of curry flavour. And it's simple. You know, I I know there's lots of packets you can buy and you can make them up quickly yourself, but there's nothing like combining those together and making it from scratch. It's simple and the flavour I've tasted with you, it's sensational, isn't it? The difference is unbelievable. It really is. And, you know, like it's kind of the perfect time. People used to say to me, I needed to get out more often because I love playing around with spices, you know. <laughs> um, but it's at the moment because, you know, in my kitchen, I have a massive um, shelf of like dresser of spices all along behind my, where I cook. And I just stand there and I throw whatever I, I'll have caramelized off my onions or whatever for my curry. And I just throw a bit of this and a bit of that. And like you can get a little bit more experimental with it. Then if you want, you could start using a little bit of cardamom or a little bit of uh, allspice or some cinnamon, things like that. If you want to go kind of more Middle Eastern or Indian with it Um, and just throw a little bit of this in, a little bit of that. And you'll get used to it so quickly and so easily. And it's actually so much cheaper than buying curry pastes in jars you know what I mean and so much healthier and so much tastier it certainly is and those recipes are on eastcoastcookeryschool.ie look we've just touched on the stir fries and the curries today there's so much more there and she's zooming away with our classes what's coming up shortly yeah well tomorrow we've got three classes tomorrow actually Um, I still have availability on my Spanish class tomorrow 
um, if anyone wants to join in. That's a lovely paella and some tapas and a nice dessert. So basically, they're every Friday evening, usually six to seven ish, seven fifteen, um, and we send out. I send out the recipes and the equipment list and the ingredient list uh, about three days beforehand. And it's nice. And every, yeah. there's a lot of people joining week after week. So we're all kind of getting to know each other at this stage virtually as well, which is nice. Great. And you don't have to clean up from the whole lot of them. Oh, <laughs> she'll never see us anymore. She'll be on Zoom forever. I'm dreaming of our kitchen. I'm telling you that. I've woken up at night thinking, I want to get back there. I will be back. I promise you. Tara, eastcoastcookeryschool.ie. Keep doing what you're doing. Love you. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Jerry. Good to talk to you as always. Bye-bye. That's Tara Walker there joining me live from eastcoastcookeryschool.ie. All the information there. That's it for today. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, Claire Cunningham from Cullen. She's making waves in Nashville. She's with us on the show tomorrow. A brand new Irish potato. Yes, I kid you not. Coming on the market, we're going to hear about it. A riddle on Friday. Get ready for your riddle on Friday. And Leon Blanche looking ahead to the weekend in sport. And much more besides. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. Wonderful music, chat and more besides over the next couple of hours. I'm going off on my walk again and to do more besides. Take care this evening, mind yourselves and come back for the final Late Lunch of the Week, Friday, 1.30. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss want flexibility take yoga want flexibility with your health insurance check out united healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly medical dental and vision coverage that may be right for you more at uh1.com hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 